Would I do an NFT sponsorship for $100,000? I'm of the position that it doesn't matter what sort of moles or uh, system of ethics that people espouse. There is always some hypothetical scenario where people chuck that system out the window for some benefit, right? As in like, you could find yourself a vegan who would say, oh, eating meat is murder, and you offer them a billion dollars. I guarantee you they're, they're biting into that, that burger, right? It is very easy to condemn people for doing wrong actions when you yourself are never put into those circumstances where you have to make the choice. Like I think NFTs are a scam. Let's say I got offered $100,000 to do a sponsorship for them. Would I say no to that? I don't know. I have no fucking idea. I want to say immediately, I would never do that. Of course not. I'm, I'm just the greatest person alive, but I have no fucking idea. Until I'm in that situation, I, I just would never know if I, I would do it. You don't know what you're capable of until you're in the situation where you are offered that choice. I've made this mistake myself, where in the past, I would often say sponsors have some reasonable assurance that they're going to get a return on their investment for any kind of sponsorship. So I would I would say if a sponsor is willing to give you $100,000, then they must believe they're going to get over $100,000 from your audience. But more experience with sponsors has taught me that's not necessarily true. It is sometimes the case with companies that they're just given a budget where higher ups will be like, look, spend 10 million on sponsorships that you think will get some return for. They have no assurance that they're going to get this return, but they just throw out money. They just say, look, get as many eyeballs as possible. Get that brand recognition. This is especially the case when you, there's no tracking links and stuff. It's just do stuff. Like if I was offered $100,000 to shill an NFT website, there is no fucking way in hell that my viewers would spend $100,000 on NFTs. Fucking no way. Coffeezilla did a video talking about how apparently Post Malone had like a five second ad spot in one of his videos for an NFT website and he was paid $750,000 for it. They, they have no way of tracking whether there was $750,000 worth of sales from that five seconds of Post Malone using his phone showing an NFT. They have no way of knowing that. They just hope it is the case. A lot of sponsorships do work on the basis of they do have ways of tracking conversions. And so like the second time round, they'll only sign with you again if they see enough conversions. But that's not all sponsorships. It is very easy to say, I won't take 10 grand to advertise X when you aren't getting those offers. It's just very easy to be holier than thou ass when you have no opportunity to, to take that bag of cash, you know? You've never been in those circumstances. How would you know you wouldn't do the same sort of thing? It's, um, I think the vast majority of people would take sponsorships like that for the right price. The number of people who'd stick to their principles, even for over $10 million, are one in a million. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even say it's one in a million. I just, that everyone has their price. And maybe that's just me being really pessimistic about the world, but that's truly how I feel. So maybe my position is, it is bad, but it's hard to imagine the average person uh, not accepting a similar deal. I used to do crossword puzzles with my mother as a kid. You know what I miss doing chat? Crossword puzzles. Mo my mother and I would try to do them completely. I took a glance at one um, 
and I was not as able to answer the questions as I might have been in ages past and that made me sad. To be fair, I didn't have a pen or pencil so I had to remember the letters that I was filling in mentally, but, you know, I didn't do this too well. You could do a crossword puzzle stream? It would be nice, honestly. I doubt many people would watch it though. Certainly though, you do eventually reach a certain size where it doesn't matter what you're doing, there'll be a handful of people around to keep you company, you know. There's a certain level of freedom that you get when you reach a certain size on Twitch. Why I am less motivated to get world records. I've been trying to think what motivated me in the past to get world records. Because I've always enjoyed doing runs. I've always enjoyed doing getting world records. But I think I'm less motivated these days to do it. And I realized a part of my motivation for getting world records in the past was because I believed that they advertised my channel. And this is true. It brought traffic to my channel that I desperately needed back then. But since I don't need that anymore, I'm, I'm more, more keen just to take it at my own pace and get world records slowly. I'm less concerned about not having world record for long periods. I think I can get them back and I will work to get them back. But there is less, you know, get in there every day, grind, run after run, killing myself until I get the world record back. I'm saying, oh, you know, if I don't get it back today, get it back tomorrow, next week, month, it's fine. You know, it's a more healthy attitude, but it certainly is an attitude that uh, seems less conducive to uh, actually getting the record back. How and why the name of the Rambles series changed? I do like what I'm doing now, releasing political rambles, well, a speedrunner rambles as it's now called, um, every second day. I'm concerned because of all the um, YouTube cracking down on political stuff. So I moved from political ramblings, I'm like, ah, oh, that's a bit too political. Then I moved to controversial ramblings, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, maybe YouTube doesn't like controversy either. So I've now made it a speedrunner rambles. Because I realize that series isn't about bringing people to my channel. It's about um, providing content for those who are already at the channel. And a speedrunner rambles, at least I, I guess that would appeal to people who watch speedruns and stuff. So maybe, because my rambling videos have gotten me subs. They're not an insignificant amount of subs, and not an insignificant amount of views. General life advice. Tell me life advice. Partition your care sensibly. Uh, if you find yourself caring too greatly about something that you cannot change or influence in any capacity, and has no bearing in your life, attempt to reorganize your life so that such a thing is pre presented to you less. Don't get worked up over the small things. Find value in being productive. Is there some small thing you can do to be improving your well-being? It's always good to relax, but if you find that most of your time is spent relaxing, then you should probably be doing something more productive to better your future. If you have stuff that you don't use, that over time is uh, simply lessening in value, um, sell it immediately. Go to the effort, because having a bunch of superfluous stuff uh, doesn't benefit you. How the speedrunning splits know when to change. The splits are the thing on the left-hand side of the screen that differentiate the different segments of the speedrun. How does the timer thing know when to switch? Is it a hotkey? No, there are two different types of auto splitters that exist. One, which is a fairly new one actually, it, uh, it looks at an image on the screen. It looks at your screen all the time, all the time. And if the screen looks to a certain degree, like an image that you've already given us, it will split. So if you have a game where like it always comes up and says, 
you know, mission clear. You can have that be the thing that causes the split. The traditional auto splitter and the one that we use uh, is hooked into the game and looks at the memory addresses. When you complete a mission, a memory address will change from uh, zero to one. And when that occurs, the splitter's like, oh, okay, split. The changing of the memory address taking the place of the pressing of a button. You can make it split for literally anything. Is GTA 5 a linear game and speedrun? If you look at the um, mission map, for the order that the missions have to be completed in, it's almost as though they started with the thought like, hey, we should let people be able to do the missions in any order that they want. And then just slowly it became more and more linear. There's not a lot of wiggle room in terms of what missions you can do in what order. I used to love Pringles. Best flavor of Pringles? When I was younger, I used to love Pringles. Like, they were my favorite thing. I'm still known in my family as that guy who loves the Pringles. And uh, my grandparents will buy me Pringles as, like, presents and stuff. Just, like, a lot of Pringles. I think original is still probably the best. Followed by, like, the pizza ones and then barbecue or something. But I'm kind of over them. Like, I know, I, I still enjoy eating them. But, like, I'll never purchase them for myself because they're terrible for you. Sour cream and onion... I've never liked sour cream and onion. The only time I eat sour cream and onion is when people give, get them for me. Uh, because they're free at that point. Yeah, sour cream and onion has this weird aftertaste. That uh, it's not, I'm not a fan of. It's alright. Amazon gave me a free PS4. In most cases where I've had a problem with Amazon, I've contacted them. And like 10 seconds later, they're like, look, we'll give you a new one. My PlayStation 4 was quote-unquote lost in the mail as in like it took like an extra week to get here and they're like yeah we'll give you a new one i'm like all right i just i just i just wanted to know where it was fair enough and then like it ended up coming like a a week later or whatever so i got two for the price of one they have good customer service in the sense that they just have so much fucking money that they can hire legions of people so you have like no wait times and they can afford any amount of fraud so they just let people get away with murder. I've heard there are like fraud rings or whatever just around Amazon and you know, getting products and just going, yeah, lost it, <laughs> you know? I mean, surely they would eventually crack down on some of that. I stole one of my most popular emotes. There's this guy named Scroobing, right? He has an emote. I think it's just called Bing Please or something. I don't know if it's crying or not. I haven't seen it in a long time. I, I met my sister, and we had both independently found Twitch. And I was like, oh, you know what my favorite emote is? This, it's this little pink thing. She's like, oh my god, that I, I love that emote too. It's my favorite emote as well. Like, we both independently found the emote. Uh, and we just coincidentally both thought it was the best emote on Twitch. And so I got cursed, because I was using dragons at the time. I asked cursed to make, like, an homage to it. We basically took it and manipulated it into a dragon. Changed as much as possible, but you could still see the inspiration for it. And I was such a small streamer that it didn't seem to matter at the time. But after a while, it was like, yeah, should probably not. Because clearly a ripoff of his emote, I should probably just get rid of it. And it sucked because it was like my most popular emote. Everyone loved that little dragon. My strange encounter at McDonald's. I had the weirdest thing. Went to McDonald's, right? The, the dude who took my order was very enthusiastic. The dude was like, I know your name. I know you, and I'm like, where do you know me from? He's like, 
Nah, I'm just messing with you, dude, because it's like, a, I know your name from your order now. I'm like, oh, okay. Because I, I did a mobile order or whatever, so I guess it has my name on it. And I was like, does this guy know me from Twitch or something? And then he gives me a fist bump as I leave. I'm like, is this just how he interacts with people? Is he on drugs or something? Or does he know me from Twitch and just didn't want to tell me? But why wouldn't he want to tell me? I don't know. It's very weird. And I thought, I thought about saying like, Oh, cause I thought you might know me from Twitch, but I'm like, nah, I won't say that. That's weird. Socialists and React contents. I don't know if I've ever said this publicly or not, but I look at Hassan as the Steven Crowder of the left. I don't know if anyone else gets that vibe, but that's my vibe with him. Like, it's just, if there is an equivalent on the left for Steven Crowder, it is Hassan. Both Steven Crowder and Hassan do a very good job at riling up those who already agree with them. Getting them fired up and passionate. You agree with me? Yeah, we're in this together then. Steven Crowder and Hassan probably have equal ability to argue the foundations of their beliefs. I've, I've seen Hassan try to kind of make that case and he's not, he's not good at it. I mean, maybe, I suppose most people aren't and I would potentially put myself in that category as well. Because Hassan just sits there all day and reacts to YouTube videos, man. And I don't have a lot of respect for that. Like, a little bit of reacting, sure, I mean, everyone does to a degree, but it's just like, it's just a mo most of his content, right? Find myself, that might be a great area regarding it, where the stuff's actually free to use in the first place. Reaction content is, um, unedited reaction content is 100% against fair use. It's not even close. Fair use allows for small portions of the work to be used in a transformative way. Um, that doesn't compete necessarily with the original work. Watching the entirety of another person's video, you aren't transforming it, you're adding to it. If the entirety of the original work can be recreated in what you've created, um, you, are, you need to ask yourself the question, is there any reason now to watch the original? If the answer is no, then it's not fair use, effectively. Because why H3H3 won their landmark case, because they made a comedy video out of sincere pickup artist videos. People who are looking for tips on how to pick up women would, get, would not get that from H3H3's video. It targeted a different audience for a different purpose and created something tr different from the original product, only using portions of the original product. But sitting on stream, watching an entire uh, YouTube video, does none of that. That doesn't mean that fair use law is how the law should be or what is, should be moral for society. It's a fallacy to say what is legal or illegal is necessarily what is moral or immoral. We all have different standards as to what we believe to be okay reacting and, and not okay reacting, right? Um, how much we believe that people should be able to do this and not. What sort of content people should be allowed to react to and what and not, right? We all have these standards. And as Tom Scott once said, everyone sets the standards so that they themselves meet it, you know? Reacting is the lay of the land. Like, it, it, it almost goes back to the very beginning of this conversation. Imagine you or I were in Hassan's position to have 60,000 viewers reacting to other people's YouTube videos. Each one of us would be like, you know what? Reacting ain't so bad. <laughs> 200, dollars a month to react to videos? Hell yeah, you know? So maybe it is hard to judge. At the end of the day though, it still comes up that it's weird for a socialist to be doing that. The socialist should be the one who has the most extreme stance on reaction content there is, because it's literally unpaid labor, you know? If you had to 
pay that person to make that video for you reacting, you'd have to give them potentially hundreds of dollars. But because you, but you're not paying them, you're just using their labor for free and without their permission. It's. But as I say, I'm not 100% against React content. It just depends on the context and to what degree and what it's being reacted to. But as I say, I am the most biased person alive when creating such standard. Because as I say, we all set the standard so that we meet it, you know. He is mostly exploiting capitalist right-wingers though with his reactions. Can you, can you imagine believing that people are less deserving of moral rights uh, based on their political positions or beliefs? It's like saying it's perfectly okay to rape that person because they don't believe abortion should be legal. That's not a slope you want to go down, my guy. And no, he's not. I, I've seen many videos of Assange reacting to random YouTube videos. Like, if the only thing that's keeping you on the platform is reaction content, then ultimately that reaction content is enabling you to effectively siphon viewers and money from everyone else. It is very much so unlikely that if Hassan disappeared tomorrow, that none of those viewers watch anyone else on Twitch, you know? And if the only thing that is keeping Hassan there for, you know, 10 hours a day or whatever, is him watching other people's YouTube videos, then on one hand, he's not paying for the labor of the people the content that he's reacting to. And on the other hand, he is specifically enriching himself uh, to the expense of other people on this platform. Both things that, as a capitalist, you'd be like, okay, whatever, maybe. But as a socialist, it should be like abhorrent beyond reason. <laughs> you know, you know. To be honest, I don't usually watch Hassan's React content, but I don't know if it's like a big hypocrisy for him or a little hypocrisy, you know? I'd just be very interested to hear him talk about how he justifies it. Because surely as a socialist, he believes that people should be paid for their labor. But he's sitting there specifically not paying people for the labor that he utilizes, you know? I'm not saying he hasn't mentally justified it somehow. I just would be interested what that justification was. Is playing video games for a living different from reacting to other people's videos? Well, for a start, uh, it's allowed within the TOS of the game that I play. I mean, it's, it's, it's specifically consensual. More than this, when I play a game and you watch it, you don't get the experience of the game. You watching me playing the game doesn't convey all the value that the game has. It can only ever convey a portion of it. Even if you watched me play it from start to finish, you will not have the entirety of the product given to you. If I were to watch a video on stream, the entirety of it, you will have gotten the entirety of the value. It's why game companies spend millions of dollars trying to get influencers to play their games. But people who release movies don't do that. You've seen a little change with that recently because companies will pay influencers to watch like the first couple of episodes of their TV series, hoping that those people will then go and sign up to services to watch the rest. It's in the same way that if you only use portions of a person's work, it's considered okay because there's a possibility that those portions may inspire interest that conveys benefit and leads to benefit for the other people. And that's the argument sometimes made, right? Sure, I'm reacting to this video, but it may inspire people to be more interested in that person's content. And they'll go and watch other videos, giving benefit to all those people that I've therefore, um, giving to the people that I've reacted to. It's a harder argument to make, I suppose, because if you didn't exist reacting to other people's videos, then the impressions that you garner for yourself through your reactions would go to other people anyway. You are kind of sucking viewers' money impressions from everyone else in order to convey a small portion of it back to those you react to. It, it, it's not comparable, right?
Be sure to like the video and subscribe to my channel, it costs you nothing and I wish you all the best.